All right, continuing with the Cold War, Cold War Part 2, some key ideas to think about this one. Exactly why is the United States in Vietnam and some of the reasons why the United States lost this conflict. Think about was it political, was it military, was it financial? Once again, society changes we'll talk about. Also, why Israel came into existence and the justification for their foreign policy today. Why is it that we still see all kinds of chaos going on in the Middle East now? And I also want you to think towards the end of this, why the United States actually won the Cold War. What, what were the factors that led the United States finally defeating the Soviet Union? All right, another major event that was happening in, during the Cold War, especially for the United States, is Vietnam. Now, once again, I'm going to move rather quickly because this is a seventh grade world history class, but you need to understand the ideas behind this. So let's first start with Vietnam. We're talking about China that tried to conquer it. We're talking like uh, 100 BCE. Uh, to like 1,000 uh, CE, this is uh, this. They held their own. They held against them one of the mightiest empires in this region. Well, mainly because of the dense jungles, the climate, and terrain. During that age of imperialism, when I talked to you about how the French were expanding throughout this whole region, they tried to take over what was called French Indochina, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, etc. So after World War II, the French came back to Vietnam, 19, because the, the uh, Japanese are the ones who took over during World War II. 1946 to around 1954, France tried to colonize the region. They were using farms, uh, rice farms, etc. Uh, they were given to the French citizens, and they were, and and the people there were saying, "No, we don't want any any foreign intervention." Now this goes clear back to World War One where you have uh, Ho Chi Minh that went to the uh, Versailles Peace Treaty that ended World War I and was asking for the United States' help to make sure that the French don't come back. And they said, but at that time, we were more uh, likely to side with the French than we were the Vietnamese, especially since of resources, colonialism, empire, whatever you want to call it, politics, the bigger nations were of more importance. Well, France is there for a while until the Battle of Dien Ben Phu, which basically ended very poorly for the French. And the French had to pull out. They were surrounded. They were trying to draw the communist out of, of their hiding. And um, it ended poorly for the French. There was a very large massacre. And once again, I got to remember, you got the United States was asked to help by Ho Chi Minh for help to get the, the French out. Well, we decided to help them, the French, not the, the, the Vietnamese. So we would send help. We would send advisors. Because once again, it's more of communism. We were afraid if you say you're communist, you are automatically, it's us versus them, NATO versus Warsaw. This becomes a very uh, tumultuous time, especially when you say, was he truly communist? I don't know, but communists were the ones who decided to help him. So that's what you become. 
1953, talking about uh, Vietnam basically invaded Laos, Laos. In 1861, this is when the United States, excuse me, 1961, the United States started sending advisors and supporting the South, even though we knew that the South government was corrupt. We were training their soldiers how to fight, and you became more and more involved. Now, why would we support a corrupt government? Because they weren't communists. I know this sounds strange, but it's it's black and white. It's this or that. You are either communist or you're against communists. There was the other other issues of your regime, second nature. Once again, on the uh, websites, you will see that there we're going to watch some some uh, videos on the different leaders and etc. So. In 1964, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which was supposedly our boats were fired upon, and this gives us permission to take a harsher action. Congress okays the president sending in troops to police the area. And this is where the things get tricky. If you are into Vietnam, etc., Ken's Burn series is a very large series, but very well done, very in-depth. If you want to check out all the, the fine points of that individual uh, conflict. But we're talking about, uh, in about now 1965 is when uh, the United States enters officially with a thing called the Battle of Idrang Valley. Now, that was also made into a film. We were soldiers once and young. It's an awesome book. And you're talking about from here on out, we're going to send more and more and more troops because we figure we're just fighting a bunch of primitives out in the jungle. But here's the thing. They have laid groundwork. They've been fighting for their freedom for years. They had complete infrastructure systems that were either underground or through what we will call the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And once again, you'll see pictures of this on the on the website. And the key part is that the news, this ABC, CBS, NBC, said we were winning. And every day you would see death totals marked in the corner. You were being told that this is this is a war we're winning. And then we're going to find out if you ever watched the Ken Burns series that a lot of these numbers were inflated because this is what they wanted to hear. I mean, you got like 1967, Operation Junction City, the Battle of Docto in uh, 1968. Now, remember, we're talking about this is this is also the height of, of the space race. 68, 69, we land on the moon. But in 1968, so was a thing called the Tet Offensive. Now, Tet is a holiday that's in Vietnam, and they hit every major city throughout the country. They hit every base. and repeatedly. This is when the United States are saying maybe we're not winning. Beginning of the end, we also talk about 1968, the Battle of Quezon, uh, the Battle of Mui, M-U-E. Uh, we lost these. This is, this is where we're going to have Walter Cronkite saying maybe we should honor our combatants and we should pull out and negotiate. And this, I won't even get into the huge battle of whether Lyndon Baines Johnson and Richard Nixon and all these people that were lying to the people, uh, hiding figures, not telling the full truth. 
This is the beginning where you have chaos and mistrust. You had the hippies in the, in the 1960s with Woodstock and protests, the Vietnam War and protesting the government. This is, this is our grandparents or your grandparents. This is the mistrust of government. This is that they're not out for you. This, this is what we deal with even today. Okay. So once again, getting back to Vietnam, we're talking about 1969. We start gradually withdrawing our troops. And by 1973, we started to end the conflict. It's in 1975, we officially surrender the conflict to the North Vietnamese. And you're going to have pictures or small clips that you'll see on the, on the video of the fall of Saigon, which turned into mass chaos. Because anybody who even was associated with the Americans will basically be slaughtered. Now, lessons learned. Ah, there are so many lessons learned, or I hope were learned. But you can learn, you know, that you don't take someone fighting for their own home is a more tenacious fighter than someone who is fighting in another place. Uh, we went about it wrong thinking a lack of days would never put our full support behind uh, that. We didn't support the troops when they came back. They were called baby killers and spit upon. And, and it's just now that some of the Vietnam generation are starting to get our respect. But then it took, you know, Persian Gulf War, etc. This is... Uh, we learn you don't underestimate your enemy, no matter how primitive you consider them. They beat us. They communicate with trumpets and whistles, and they have basically just small arms like pistols and guns and grenades. We had helicopters and tanks, but they can't go through the jungles. A person's heart to fight is something you must consider. Now, in Vietnam, you have... Uh, Ho Chi Minh is kind of is an elderly gentleman, so you have the Communist Party that basically takes over. Okay, you have Pol Pot that that takes over in Cambodia. They killed thousands of his own people; an entire generation is missing. You have a, a verbal conflict with the Chinese, okay, and, and over whether you are truly communist or not. I mean, to be honest, if you looked at Vietnam today, you would see KFC and Coca Cola signs and TV, but this is years after, you know, this is, we lost 69,960 some troops on the Vietnam Memorial up in Washington, D.C. These people lost their lives for a cause that they believed in or were maybe uh, conscripted. This means they were drafted. This is all going to be part of a major time period, which is just mass confusion. I mean, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated. Malcolm X was killed. Martin Luther King was killed. This is all in the 1960s. This Vietnam War is going to be the first war where you had blacks and whites fighting in the same unit. Prior to this, there were always segregated units. Uh, you're going to have the refugees that helped us coming to the United States. You're going to have the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, which was Pol Pot. They were killing anyone who had any contact. Now, once again, on the website, you're going to have websites with death totals and et cetera. But I want you to realize that many people, like the Iraq War and the war in Afghanistan, people say, is this our Vietnam or is this our second Vietnam? Let's not do the same mistakes as Vietnam. This is what this will have the greatest impact on one of the, our grandparents or great-grandparents, depending on how old you are, generation. And it's hard to sum this up in a short, uh, you know, 10-minute 
podcast. But once again, I hope that the links, please watch them, please read them. And then when you come in class, we'll have a conversation about this. We'll talk about this. And if you ever get a chance, make sure if you check uh, certain videos like We Were Soldiers Once and Young, a very realistic type film, uh, Ken Burns documentary, if you have that time. Maybe even your parents would want to watch it because it's part of their childhood. So I hope this helps. And then we'll continue on with the the pretty much the uh, Middle East. And of course, the end of the Cold War, which also ends the same place it started, Berlin. All right, this next section will be a little bit long, mainly because it's going to overlap so much. Uh, the Middle East starts with the Cold War. That's why I'm including with this section, but I'm going to end it with basically today. So this will kind of be one of those ones where we overlap a little bit, like Venn diagrams, okay? So after World War II, Great Britain basically given control of the Middle East. Well, remember, around 1927 is when oil was discovered and with the age of industrialization and motor cars, etc., this becomes a very valuable resource. Some of the issues we're going to be talking about are boundaries were made by the Europeans, not the locals. Now, the Europeans don't have concerns for your culture, your tribe, your language. So these tensions that it might have been before could be some of the reasons why there are still tensions today. Now, once again, this is seventh grade, so we're not going to get too much into that, but that'd be, that'd be a great idea for some of you who wish to pursue a little bit of this. Well, remember, in World War II, we had the Holocaust. We had uh, this Zionism moving. We had people saying we need to return to the promised land, the land that was promised by God in the Bible to Moses. Thing is, though, it was called Palestine. Okay. Now, who's going to deny this to them now after you've seen the Holocaust? Now, the Arabs have been living there, Palestinians have been living there since the diaspora, which was the Roman times. If you talk about way back when we started this class with uh, medieval and the Renaissance. Well, you got one group, the Jews say they basically stole it. You have the Arabs that say they bought it. And hence, you have the beginning of a major conflict. Palestinians are fighting to have them removed via the British who are in charge of that area. And the British are a little reluctant and, uh, if I dare say, wishy-washy on which side they're going to choose. So you're talking about in 1947, uh, you got the United Nations who comes up with the idea that Palestine should be divided. Now, once again, this will be on the web page with the maps and showing how it's changed. Now, if I have someone come to your house and say, guess what? We're going to take half your house and give it to somebody else, a homeless person who said that you moved into their house. You're only going to stay peaceful as long as I'm there with my weapons to make sure you stay peaceful. The moment I'm gone, it's going to erupt into conflict. This is exactly what happens. Okay, so we have 1947 where it says it should be divided. You have the first War of Independence, 1948. Now, I will probably teach this a little bit from the Israeli side, only because I have the most information from Israel's point of view. Okay. 
So the War of Independence, 1948, this is where Israel fought six other nations at one time. Now remember, they're just getting started. No one would ever expect them to win, okay? They're going to be fighting against Syria, Egypt, Lebanon, Iraq, Jordan, and Palestine. And to the shock of the Arabs and the world, Israel beat them with no help from the outside. In fact, most of them, they were beat with World War II older weapons, stuff they pieced together. They would put together French, British, and American tanks that were left in the Middle East from World War II and just put them together and make something that worked. But once again, you have this, once the Holocaust, that never again will this happen. They're fighting for their, well, very lives or a right of existence. Now, Israel is surrounded by Islamic nations. This becomes a part of, remember when we talked about nationalism? Well, this starts a new uh, type of nationalism. It's called pan-Arab nationalism. This is where all those who are of Arab-speaking countries. Now, not all of that has to be Islam. In fact, the largest Islamic country in the world is Indonesia, not in the Middle East. But once again, this is where education and knowledge. Now, the Jews that were living peacefully in these Arab nations were now forced to leave because of the conflict in here. People feel the hostilities. Now, the infighting and the different plans of the pan-Arab movement leads it to be not too effective. Okay, So many of the Jews that are in Europe and are moving to this country called Israel. <clears throat> well, they build up, the Arabs build up, the Jews build up. Next war is the War of 1956. This is where Egypt took back the Suez Canal from Great Britain. Now, Great Britain was uh, a little bit conniving in this one and talked Israel into another, uh, well, why don't you go ahead and strike them? We'll back you. Matter of fact, you go towards the canal and then we'll come in, we'll parachute in and we'll save the canal. Okay, and then we'll take it back. Well, here's one of the problems that Israel moves so fast across the desert and is so overwhelming that by the time the British and the French parachuted in, the, the, the Israeli army had already had stopped at the Suez Canal and was waiting peacefully. <laughs> so the world kind of said, this doesn't sound right and this doesn't look right. And they made uh, Great Britain and France give back the canal to Egypt. And there, once again, there will be pictures of the Suez Canal on the, on the, the, the webpage. But the, the hatred of Israel is growing, okay? And this is turning into part of the Cold War. You're either with us or you're with them. Well, the United States isn't supporting really anybody yet because we were busy by this time getting into Vietnam and et cetera and other places throughout the world. But this is overlapping. The Soviet Union sells some weapons to Egypt, which then again makes us, okay, well, if Egypt's getting communist weapons, maybe Israel should be getting American weapons. This type of stuff because of Cold War. In fact, things are building up and build up until the 1967, the War of 1967, also known as the Six-Day War because the war lasts six days. 
Israel pushed into the Arab world again because of these new weapons, and the tensions in this region were just too much. Israel hit the airports of all of its neighbors. Okay, the only time the planes stopped uh, moving was enough to get fuel and load new bombs and go off. Because remember, they're fighting all these countries at one time. Within the first hour, 80% of the enemy planes were destroyed on the ground. They never even got to take off. Israel knew the locations of the commanders of the Egyptian army. They would hit certain bridges and stuff so the troops couldn't get to the post to fly. And this is extreme uh, military intelligence, it's called. This is a collecting of data. But for the sake of us in this class, Israel got the entire Sinai Peninsula and all of this within six days. And once again, we weren't there. Why? Well, 67, we were in Vietnam. We were basically having our own problems. Well, the Palestinians are the ones who were at the brunt of all this because they kept getting pushed further and further as you looked at the pictures and the different changing of the colors. This is going to lead to things like the Munich crisis. Where in the Olympics, which are supposed to be peaceful games, Israeli athletes were kidnapped and basically killed, nine total. Now, once again, there will be some pictures and a small article to read. This is the beginning of what we call terrorism. If I can't beat you one way, I'm going to beat you the other. Arab world is looking for some type of victory. They've had several defeats, okay? This will sort of happen at the war of 1973 called the Yom Kippur War. Now, the Arab world is really upset of all these defeats, and they attacked this time first. And they learned from the Jews that eventually you attack on the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, which means most of your troops. Now, remember, in Israel, everyone, man and woman, is assigned to the army. You must do mandatory service. that they would be on holiday and therefore it would take a while to get back. And this is exactly what happened. They uh, Israel regrouped and they fought to a draw. But this assaged the egos of the Arab world, okay? But Palestine is still under Israeli control. So this forms a uh, what we will call a terrorist organization, the PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization, that's going to get attention to their cause. This is where things get really... Uh, complex, confusing, and for the sake of seventh grade, I'll try to make it as, as simple as I can. There's going to be numerous peace talks. We're talking about President Jimmy Carter in 1977 invited the president of Egypt, Anwar Sadat, to come in and talk to Makam Begin of Israel. Okay, now this is the first time in history an Arab nation and a Jewish nation has sat down together. Remember, these people wouldn't even sit at the same table. They wouldn't even acknowledge each other's existence. Maybe some of you can relate where you say, my brother or sister does not exist. I'm angry with them. But imagine this is nations, okay? In 1975, 40 Islamic nations voted to expel Israel from the United Nations. Because Anwar Sadat actually got back the Sinai Peninsula, in return, he is the first Arab nation to recognize the country of Israel. This is what Israel was saying. We have the right to exist. 
Well, as a result, uh, Anwar Sadat will be assassinated. And what is one of these parts of where I say everything in history sort of overlaps, you're going to have uh, Mubarak, his second in command, who will be stay in charge until the Arab Spring in the 1990s. And we're going to have the person who did some of these uh, attacks, Zawahi, who will basically be part of al-Qaeda and the Taliban in Afghanistan when we go in there later. Okay, so long story short, you see how these things will overlap. Okay. Well, we're still not done with this part because, okay, Egypt recognizes them, but many of the other Arab nations have not. So then we have the War of 1982, where Israel invades Lebanon. Now, why Lebanon? Lebanon is a half-Muslim, half-Christian place, uh, nation. Uh, the PLO is basically hiding in an in Lebanon in certain places, and shelling, sending in mortar shells and et cetera into Israeli towns. Israel says we've had enough. They invade the Islamic parts of Lebanon with the help of the Lebanese Christians. Uh, the United States brokers a deal where the PLO men are pulled out and they say your men and women or your women and children will be protected making a very complex story the we say okay israel make sure that they're protected and israel then looks at the lebanese christians and says okay make sure they're protected well lebanese christians basically went into the muslim camps and killed every man woman child that was there the muslims blame the jews for not protecting and or not caring whichever you want to say, and this is this is some of the heart of the matter of why these nations do not have peace today. You also have to remember along this time period, in 1979, uh, U.S. hostages were taken in Iran, and they were kept hostage for 444 days. Why? Because we did not like the Ayatollah Khomeini, the person who is in charge of Iran. So we will support Iraq. And this man called Saddam Hussein, we will allow him to come to power because we had the best chance. Once again, why? Because they're not communist. Uh, it won't be until 1981 that these hostages will be freed. You have in 1983 the Marine Corps barracks that were bombed in Lebanon. Many of our uh, Marine Corps brothers died there. Israel and the United States are going to become closer together. Okay, But oil is important U.S. growth, and Israel doesn't have oil, but many of the other Arab nations do. So once again, this very delicate balance. Many Arab nations dislike the United States because of we're supporting what they call the bullies in the region, Israel. In 1980, you had Iran that attacked Iraq. Okay, so once again, the United States is supporting Iraq. We're against Iran. Why? Because they took our hostages. Iran still vows the destruction of Israel today. Okay, this is why we have worry about nuclear weapons. Many people say, well, do, does Israel have nuclear weapons or not? Well, if they're friends with the United States, it's pretty much understood that, yes, we have given it to them. Now, it's still a major question today with, you know, is Israel and Palestine ever going to have peace? Will it ever happen? Well, why don't we just take out? Well, once again, this goes back to sort of religion and culture. 
If you remember way back the first weeks of school, we talked about religion. We said Islam's third holiest city is in Israel or in, uh, uh, yeah, in Israel. And you have the holy city, the Wailing Wall, which when again you see pictures, it's in Israel. And you have the place Calvary Hill where Christ was crucified in Israel. Okay. So we have these holy sites and you have the, the towns themselves that are divided. Okay. Jerusalem is the holy city. This is where all these are. So you've got the Temple Mount, uh, the the golden the, the golden dome of the rock where Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad ascended into heaven for Muslims. You have the Wailing Wall, which is supposed to be part of the, the temple that King Solomon, King David built. Forget which one right now. You have Calvary Hill where Christ was crucified, rose from the dead. This is a very sacred place. And this is also why, the, you know, many people are saying... They fight so hard for it. So if you get rid of this, how? How? Where is the peace when these people won't even talk to each other? Well, once again, this is going to lead into pan-Arabism. It's going to be not as big as getting wealth. So this pan-Arab movement kind of falters. But remember, in the 1970s, you had gas crisis. They, they, had an, they, they wouldn't sell us uh, oil to make gas. Therefore, you had to... Get gas every other day. I mean, if you have an odd number license plate, you could only get it, say, like on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you had an even number, you could only get it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and no gas sold on Sunday. This kind of, once again, we can relate to today when we say that, oh, all our medicine's made somewhere else. People kind of wake up after a little bit. But this is the beginning of the uh, terrorism for the United States, too. Okay? Didn't happen just first in 9-11, when we had Arab nations who were tired of us supporting Israel and the way that the uh, Islamic people, Arab people were being treated. But you have this issue, like the civil war in Afghanistan in 1992. You have the Soviet Union that tried to take over Afghanistan, and we supported the Afghan people against the Soviet. Why? Because of the Cold War. So this is 78 to 89. This is basically their Vietnam where they got beat. Al-Qaeda is based in Afghanistan. We got the Taliban that's based in Pakistan, Afghanistan border. We got terrorist groups like Al-Shabaab that's in, based in Somalia. The Boko Haram based in Nigeria. You're going to have things like ISIS that's based in the Fertile Crescent. Okay, But not all terrorists are quote, quote, outsiders. We've had our own uh, Terrorists, Oklahoma City bombing, San Bernardino, the shooters. All of this stuff has happened because of issues, misunderstandings, uh, policies. And many of these were not even aware of what governments were doing at this time or what agreements were made. But yet a lot of this still has effects even today. Why we're still in Afghanistan, this is now our longest war we've ever been in. Has surpassed Vietnam. So once again, I hope this takes a very, very complex issues. And within the readings, you'll have about, you know, land for peace accords, uh, UN resolution 242. We're going to talk about, and this is complex. This is, you got adults who don't understand what's going on here because it does get very confusing. So once again, do what you can, make sure you watch what videos you can. And once again, the notes 
are in the classroom. So this brings us to the end of the Cold War. Now the Cold War is going to end with Ronald Reagan and Mr. Gorbachev of the Soviet Union. Now there's going to be a few coup d'etats, which is like tried to military overthrows. And he said, in other words, basically the Soviet Union went into bankruptcy. They just could not keep up military production and keeping the people happy. But there's the famous speech that uh, hopefully will be in the blog spot talking about, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, Ronald Reagan being in, in, in Berlin. And then basically it just sort of happened where they were given the cues to not fire upon each other. Because if you remember the videos on the Berlin Wall, there were mines in between, machine guns in between. And if you came from the east going to the west, from communism to freedom, you were shot on the spot. But yet on the western side of Berlin, the American side, there was graffiti on the wall and etc. Well, finally, this will happen. They 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 met. They started chipping away at the wall. They met. They shook hands. So you're talking about families that had been separated for 60 years for the first time could now be all one. This will be uh, Khrushchev, or uh, excuse me, uh, Gorbachev and, and Ronald Reagan and all these people. It ends a very high-tension period. Now, some say, you know, with Mr. Vladimir Putin of today and trying to be, he was a, a KGB, which is the CIA for the Soviet Union. All this was, you know, could it come back? Is it still going on? But for the sake of this class, we're going to say the Cold War ends in the exact same place that it started, Berlin. They put up the wall. They then tear down the wall. Now Germany is now, there is no longer an East Germany and West Germany. There is now just Germany. This is the one you had on the, your, your European map test. But all of this came full circle. Now, what was solved, what was not? Well, capitalism is still here, but now you're still debating whether that's the ultimate best for our environment, etc., for the laboring classes. And now the new person who's challenging the United States would be China, which is where I will start next with the idea of modern China. Now, unfortunately, once again, I will not be able to go too much into China because we'll be running out of time for the year.